0: Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, we read, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, and he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, And he called his name Jesus. It's hard to escape the music that floods the TV and the radio. It's almost certain you'll hear the song. It's the most wonderful time. You know the rest. Of the year. And it really is a wonderful time. But for some again... It's filled with challenges and disappointments and unexpected surprises. Interestingly, when people want to announce the birth of a child, they find strange ways to do it. This, just a few weeks ago, my youngest grandchild celebrated her very first birthday. And I remember a year ago when... Anthony and Sarah, his wife, found out that she was pregnant and that the baby was due in December, they announced it in the most remarkable way. They showed a picture of Django, my other grandchild. He's in his crib, and there's an eviction notice hanging over his head saying, prepare to depart this crib. You've got to make new room for a new child. There's lots of different ways that people find strange ways that they're going to tell people that they're going to have a baby. I found a couple of them that I wanted to share with you. You'll notice on the left, you see a a young man saying, hey, we're expecting, and she's throwing up in the toilet. And then she says, we're going to have twins, and he's throwing up in the toilet. (laughs) And of course, right next to them, you'll see this very strange couple announcing that she's with child. A lot of different ways people find different ways to announce the story. And of course, even in our story, it begins with Joseph's realization that something is not quite right with his bride to be. Circumstance. She's pregnant. He realizes that he is not the father. With that realization comes an opportunity, revelation. An angel is going to declare that this baby has a supernatural identity. The story ends with Joseph recognizing. The child's true identity. Carl Sandburg, the famous poet, said, A baby is God's opinion that the world should go on. It's where we all get our start. Yes, all of you started off life as an infant and probably through the care and design of someone who cared about you you managed to make it to adolescence and some of you actually managed to make it to adulthood the jewish people knew that their messiah was going to be born of a woman that she was going that the child would be a direct descendant of abraham and isaac and jacob and Judah and David, they knew that the child would be born in Bethlehem. And can you imagine if God had assigned the task of making the announcement of the child to an ad agency or a publicist or a promotional firm? They would have made sure that the baby's birth was accomplished by great fanfare, coverage on every major news outlet, and of course, marketing strategies that would have to incorporate radio and television, and of course, social media. The first thing they would do is veto God's plan to have the baby be born in a smelly manger. It's not A great place and it doesn't film well. And the shepherds aren't photogenic. And by the way, they would say to God, let's go big. Jesus should be born in the biggest city to the most famous couple who exercises the greatest power. Society worships bigness, greatness, power and they worship wealth, and they worship instant results. But the Lord is going to opt for smallness, and humility, and poverty, and patience, and just the right time. Look at the realization that this isn't my baby. Look what it says in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. The word betrothed means way more than just engaged. It means way more than a person asking another person to be married. And the person agrees. They enter into a legal binding, contractual arrangement which cannot be terminated unless it's by a legal divorce. So when Joseph, it says in verse 19, her husband, there's a reason why it calls him her husband. Because it has all of the legal force of a real marriage. But not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. We're told that Jesus' mother is Mary. We're told that Joseph is called her husband, but not his father. In Luke's gospel, we're given the details of the birth of Jesus largely from Mary's perspective. In Matthew's gospel, we enter into the mind and the heart of Joseph, although Joseph never utters a single word in the text. We're still given a peek into his heart. Joseph is called a just man. In that culture and society, it meant that Joseph wasn't an unbeliever. He was a true believer. He was a true believer in the God of Israel. It would also have meant that he was a man who honored and obeyed the Jewish law. And and honored and obeyed the Jewish observances. Joseph knew that the child was not his child. The punishment for adultery was severe in Deuteronomy chapter 22 verses 23 and 24. But again, we're told that he is just. And because he's a just man, he's also a merciful man. He has a problem, a trial, a difficulty, a challenge, and there's a right way and a wrong way to confront trial and difficulty and challenge. It is the most wonderful time of the year for most, but for some, this is a great trial. And difficulty. And challenge. Just like Joseph knew that this baby wasn't his. Some of us are growing up in a world where we don't embrace Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You see the child may be the child of mother and father and grandfather and grandmother. But for many people they're opting and considering That this child does not belong to them. That Christianity isn't a part of their faith or even a part of their future. And again, there's a right way to deal with problems and there's a wrong way to deal with problems. There's a right way to confront difficulty, trauma, and crisis. And right away, we learned that Joseph will do the right thing. In what way? Joseph is gonna get alone. Joseph is going to think about things. Joseph is going to pray. Joseph is going to pour out his heart to God. And I am going to suggest to you that this just man isn't just simply going to deal with this problem by himself, but he is going to cry out to God and perhaps even shed some tears. And no doubt... He's going to struggle with anger. Maybe even a little doubt. Maybe even a great deal of grief. Are you a believer in the Lord Jesus? You might be facing a monstrous trial. I'm going to encourage you at least in part to do just for a moment, what Joseph must do. He's going to seek the Lord. He's going to pray to the Lord. He's going to cry out to the Lord. He is going to depend upon the Lord to help him get his head on straight and his heart on straight. And he must be willing to hear from God and depend upon the Lord and obey the Lord. And the realization of this profound difficulty is going to necessitate necessitate something more than just an explanation. It's going to require a revelation that the baby is the Savior. Look what it says in verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Remember the crisis. We have every reason to believe that Joseph, again, thinks long and hard and prays long and hard about Mary's unexpected pregnancy. And I'm going to suggest to you he must have been hurt and he must have been humiliated. We have every reason to believe that, that he needed to understand something that was way beyond his comprehension. This is not the first time, by the way, an angel appears in the New Testament. You'll recall that an angel appears to Zacharias and he tells him that his elderly wife, Elizabeth, way past the age of conceiving, would conceive a son in her old age and he would be known as John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. An angel appears to Mary in Luke's gospel and concerning the birth of Jesus and now an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream to remind him not only of Mary's purity, but of God's plan. This special revelation is going to help a man in crisis. And some of you might be thinking that you are not open to revelation. That if you're going to get your information, it's going to have to come from the world of men or the world of science or or what. Reason and rationalism has to say, but Joseph's pain is real and he's going to need help. And the revelation is going to do more than just simply reveal the fact that this baby comes from God and that this baby is God. It's going to provide, number one, assurance. How? Remember, the angel calls Joseph the son of David. Joseph is a direct descendant of David. And God is willing to call him to a special assignment. He is calling him to serve as husband to Mary and caregiver to another son of David. The true son of David. The promised son of David. And every observant Jew, every just man in Israel would have known that this Messiah must be a descendant of David. So it's not only going to provide assurance but also guidance because this is exactly what Joseph needs. He needs direction because so much is at stake. His whole life is on the line. And his future is on the line. Assurance and guidance and illumination. That word illumination means to throw light on something obscure. Not only assurance and guidance and illumination, but vision. Vision is the sudden understanding of the nature of things. He's going to need to see like he's never seen before. And look what it says in verse 23. And she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. That name, Jesus, literally means Savior. It comes from the Hebrew word Joshua or Yeshua or Yasha. The angel reveals that this child has a special destiny. That he would save his people from their sins. That expression alone is pregnant with power. And meaning in that single sentence, he will save his people from their sins, it becomes not only a revelation of the identity of Jesus, but of the problem that humanity faces. There's a reason why the world is so broken, there's a reason why there are so many people with so much pain and so much difficulty. The Bible tells us that there's something not quite right with the world in which we're living. But look at that phrase, He will save His people. You might be tempted to just overlook that tiny little expression, but I'm going to suggest to you that it's so very, very important. It implies that Jesus has people. That there are people who belong to him and there are people who are not his people. In John's gospel, in chapter 10, verses 26 and 27, we read these powerful words that Jesus gives to the religious leaders. He says, but you do not believe because you're not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. There are people that belong to Jesus, and there are people that do not belong to Jesus. Haven't you ever wondered why so many people can hear so many messages and sing so many songs but like Joseph who believes that the child does not belong to him they entertain the notion that the faith of their mother and the faith of their father and the faith that they grew up with does not belong to them. And when he says they, this Jesus will save them from their sins. It must mean that the Lord Jesus is able to do exactly that save people from the penalty of sin and the power of sin and the bondage of sin and the guilt of sin. What we might think about as the consequences of sin. No wonder the Bible says that the soul that sins, it shall surely. Die. The Bible teaches that sin is the human problem, and the mission of Jesus is to save us from our sin. And Jesus does exactly that by living a sinless life and by willingly dying in our place on Calvary's cross. Jesus rises from the dead to live forever. And when a person receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, he or she is forgiven of sin and given eternal life. Because only a sinless Savior can offer exactly what human beings need and Jesus will conquer death and Jesus will provide the satisfying solution to the problem of our broken world. In verse 22, it says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Matthew reminds us that the virgin birth and the angel's visit and Joseph's grief were planned well in advance. And it also tells us the truth about prophecy, that prophecy is the word of the Lord and not the word of men. If you look at the 23 books that religions around the world embrace as their own, you'll discover whether you read the Vedas or the Bhagavad Gita or the Book of Mormon or the Koran or whatever book you turn to in whatever way you turn to it and you search it for prophecies and you search it for the fulfillment of prophecies, you will not find a single one that provides a single prophecy and a single solution to the problem of sin. Because according to the Bible, prophecy is not only the word of the Lord versus the word of men. The prophet is not simply a spokesman or a messenger The prophet has to reveal the very words of God and that this prophecy must be fulfilled. And this prophecy given by Isaiah concerning the virgin birth and the prophecy concerning his name, Emmanuel. It isn't, oddly enough, simply a name. Because you'll note in the text, the angel says his name is going to be Jesus. So why in the world would you call him Emmanuel? Because it isn't simply a name. It's a revelation concerning the supernatural character of the child being born. The supernatural character is that this child isn't simply going to be a human child. But this child is going to be the child whereby God himself comes and reveals himself and then reconciles himself to a watching world. The beautiful words of Phillips Brooks come to my mind. You're probably familiar with the first verse, but not so much with the second. Phillips Brooks writes, O holy child of Bethlehem, Descend to us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. He writes, We hear the angel, we hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us. Oh, Lord Emmanuel. It's going to lead to not just the revelation, but the recognition. That something is unique and different about this child. Look what it says in verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. He did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he, that is Joseph, called his name Jesus. Do you know what the text is saying? That the revelation is going to lead to a recognition Joseph is willing to do exactly He's going to do exactly what the angel of the Lord commands. He's willing to fully and completely embrace Mary as his God-given wife. He hears from the Lord and then he obeys the Lord and he accepts the call that God has given to him. Joseph no longer sees Mary's pregnancy as a source of shame or, or confusion or humiliation. He sees Mary's pregnancy as a part of God's plan. Not just simply for Joseph, but for the entire world. Joseph is called, literally, by God. Do you realize most people will reject God's call? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 16, many are called, but few are chosen. You see, the child will grow and speak and communicate. And the truth is, he'll speak to you. Will you accept God's call for your life? Joseph makes The choice to obey the angel's command. Look what it says. And took to him his wife, verse 25, did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't equivocate. He doesn't pause. He doesn't falter. He doesn't vacillate. He's going to respond. The decision is no longer difficult. He knows exactly what God wants from him. Wouldn't it be great if you knew exactly what God wants from you? I'm here to tell you, he wants you to listen and listen to his voice, listen to him call you By all measures and standards, Joseph was, look what it says in verse 19, a just man. You know, it's interesting to compare this Joseph of the New Testament with the Joseph of the Old Testament. Do you realize that both Josephs had a father named Jacob? Both had amazing maturity. Both experienced difficulty. Both received a vision from God. Both would find themselves in Egypt. Both would be a type of Christ. And of course, one would be Christ's legal guardian. In fact, if it weren't for Judah's sin, Joseph would have been ruling from Jerusalem as the rightful king when Jesus was born. It was Joseph, not Herod, who had the proper credentials To sit on David's throne. So what does his actions tell us about him? He really was just and righteous in verse 19. He was discreet and sensitive in verse 19. He was responsive to God in verse 24. He was able to exercise self-discipline in verse 25. Because he knows what his role in his relationship is. And he's going to follow him in obedience but will anyone believe Joseph? Was Joseph's dream the fabrication of a man who just desperately wanted to salvage some poor woman's reputation? Or was it true? Did something amazing and supernatural happen where the prophecy is True. Was Joseph's family disappointed in his decision and incredulous? But when he wakes up from his dream, he remembers the name Jesus. The name is filled with music Jesus, Jesus, sweetest name I know. The name is full of music and melody and majesty and might. But the angel points out the most important thing about the name. It's meaning. He will save you. Francis Thompson wrote, Little Jesus, wast thou shy, once and just as small as I, And what did it feel to be out of heaven just like me? Jesus will come into the world, not in the most amazing way, but in the most ordinary way, exactly like you did, born of a mother with a caretaker and a caregiver. It's interesting to me, the child and his mother were placed in Joseph's care. The vision and the angel asked him to forbear. The child was someone special, eternally prepared. The source of grace and mercy, Emmanuel declared, each and every one of us will, like Joseph, experience moments of crisis that will require moments of revelation, which will require moments of reassurance. But if you'll listen, if you'll listen, maybe you'll hear his voice. You know, I miss my son, Anthony. He is now the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Buffalo, Wyoming. And I remember, again, the announcement that hung over Django's crib. Prepare to leave. By the way, Django, that name. When I first heard it, I said, what are you going to name your son? He goes, "Django." I go, tell me the truth, Anthony. Don't mess with your dad. What's his real name? He goes, his real name is Django." What does it mean? It's a Romani word from Romania. It means he's awake. Isn't that interesting? The child's name is He's Awake. This child's name is I Will Save You From Your Sins. How interesting. I'm going to close with a poem. Anthony is also reading it tonight. "'Twas the night before Christmas in David's hometown. The city was crammed with people pressed down. Joseph and Mary searched, seeking some room, her belly so swollen, a child in her womb. Pilgrims were piled on top of each other, flesh pressing flesh, children fathers and mothers with patience and prayer. The couple conceded, personal privacy was desperately needed." The innkeeper sighed and said, we're unable to provide a shelter just this simple stable. And surrounded by cattle and goats in a manger, things continued to worsen and soon got stranger when all of a sudden contractions they came. Muscles contorted and twisted in pain. Both mother and father were weeping and crying. The pain and the horror, she felt she was dying. But she pushed and she pushed, and the baby did come, a beautiful baby, a beautiful son. And she wrapped her new baby in swaddling clothes and remembered the name the angel had chose. His name will be Jesus, the Savior of all, Emmanuel, rock. Redeemer, recall, and voices were heard from angels on high, proclaiming God's word from Bethlehem's sky. And the angels appeared to the shepherds by night, attending their flocks, beheld the great sight. Glory to God in the highest. Goodwill toward all men. A savior, redeemer, deliver from sin. And the child who was dressed in the swaddling clothes, he listened and listened to praise and prose from the cries of his mother and the songs that were sung, glimpsed into the future, a cross where he hung. And the prophets and poets and pundits and people all crammed into churches with pews and their steeples would listen to preachers and point to their stories about saving grace and all of God's glories. But who would have guessed on the night before Christmas that most of the world would have certainly missed us? Because Jesus, oh Jesus, is nowhere in sight As the day and the darkness slips into the night, on the night before Christmas in a freshly swept stable, the blood and the sweat and the cries, if we're able, we miss the whole point of what we have done. The need of a Savior. The need for a son. So perhaps on this Christmas we'll remember what's real. We'll remember the purpose. Remember the deal of why Jesus came. To an earth such as ours to deliver our souls in this fateful hour. And so when your Christmas comes with great cheer, remember your soul. Remember, my dear. Remember the Savior who came in the night. And remember your sin as it slips out of sight Merry Christmas to all, and to all, a good night. Let's stand.